Here we are back again, day three of the Locked On Podcast Network Mock Draft. I am your co-host, Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers. With me, as usual, your host on Locked On NFL here, Matt Williamson. He is our resident scout, former NFL scout. Uh, we're having a great time going through this mock draft, bringing in all of our network analysts and hosts to make these selections and break everything down for you. I'm having a blast so far. We're getting a great response to this thing. And so you got to subscribe. If you haven't listened to the first few days, go back and listen because, hey, your team might have drafted already because we've got trades in this thing. And uh, it's been a wild one. I'm having a great time. How's it going, Matt? It's going great. And the first two segments were a blast. Again, if this is the first one you're listening to, I know we're getting a lot of new listeners on the Locked On NFL podcast, which is great. Welcome. I'm the regular host. Go back and, and listen to part one, part two, and even some of the stuff I did last week. It all holds up. There's not a lot going on around the NFL right now, so there's a lot of great content to go back and check if this is the first one you've listened to. And today we will be picking 14 through 20. So we've got the Falcons, Redskins, Panthers, the Giants for the second time, Vikings, Titans, and Steelers selecting on today's show. That's who's on the clock if nobody jumps in and trades with those teams. So let's quickly break down here what happened days one and two. Starting off with number one overall, Arizona Cardinals taking Nick Bosa, skipping the quarterback route in Kyler Murray. Quinnen Williams going number two to the 49ers. Josh Allen to the Jets at three. Devin White. Raiders at four, and then that was the big trade and the turning point in this draft. Cincinnati Bengals moving up to get Kyler Murray at number five with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Giants selecting Rashawn Gary, Jacksonville Jaguars, TJ Hawkinson, Ed Oliver to the Lions at eight, Brian Burns nine to the Bills, Denver Broncos at 10 selecting Devin Bush, and number 11, the Tampa Bay Bucks after moving back with the Cincinnati Bengals taking Christian Wilkins. Number 12, Green Bay Packers, Montez Sweat. And the Miami Dolphins taking the second quarterback off the board, Dwayne Haskins falling to them at 13. And breaking down that day two of action, pick seven through 13, let's go to the Locked On NFL Draft Desk from TDN, Trevor Sikama and Ben Solak. Ben, day two. Day two was a lot of fun. I think we had the, the second part of the early top five trade. Uh, we saw some good players go off the board, but now it's all about picks 14 through 20. And you talked about this, I think, I can't remember if it was yesterday or the day before, but I really think that picks 14 through 20, this is O-line day, I think. I'm not so sure that we're going to see so many O-linemen, even in the actual draft, go in the top 10 or even the top 12. But I think here, this middle to late part of the first round is really where we're going to get a lot of offensive linemen come off the board. What do you think? Hey, listen, it makes sense. And when you start looking at some of the teams who are potentially picking here, Atlanta, Carolina, Minnesota, Tennessee, all of them need offensive line help. So if the players are going to drop, this is where it's going to stop because that's great value at high impact positions of need for these teams in the middle teens. Who do you think is going to be the first offensive lineman off the board? All right, give me like in this mock and then if you think that's going to reflect real life as well. My guess will be... Jawan Taylor and Jawan Taylor. That's what you're going to be. Okay, you think, think so? You think it's going to be both? Yeah. Now, now there's there's some medical concerns apparently with Taylor, but we have to figure that out. Do you agree with that? Like, would Taylor be your OT one? Who's your OT one? Mine is Cody Ford, which Ooh. I won't be for the league. But Ford, Taylor, Love and it, Williams man. are my seventh, ninth, and eleventh overall prospects. So oh, listen, wow. pick your poison. So you're high. So you're pretty high in this offensive line class, huh? Ah, uh, man, Trevor, I have this weird thing where I like good players. I know it's just me, but I tend to like the good ones. <laughs> You know, I guess uh, if you're going to have any kind of problem, that's a good one to have. So really excited for day three. There are going to be a lot of good players that are going off the board, kind of like Ben said. Matt and Brian, back to you guys. 
All right, Matt, so a wild day two. I think day one, the players we thought would go did go, but not quite the order we expected, and things started to get weird on day two, and now just about anything can happen day three. And I really do think as we go into the 14th pick here, it's not far-fetched at all to think those 13 players that have been selected are the ones that actually are off the board. So it wouldn't shock me, you know, again, like if Atlanta's looking at this group as the available players, uh, I'm pretty excited because I, I think that a lot of the blue chip guys are gone, but it's still a very solid draft class really for these next 50 picks or so. I mean, it, it, all the way through the second round, there's going to be a lot of quality high-end starters in this group. Tons of great players still on the board. We're at pick 14 now, so let's get started here on day three. Aaron Freeman standing by in the Atlanta Falcons war room to make this selection. With the 14th overall pick, the Atlanta Falcons have several options ahead of them. They could stay at pick 14 and take the best pass rusher or offensive lineman available, or they could be aggressive and move up, presumably to get the pass rusher of their choice at the top of this draft. But in order to move up, you're likely going to have to part ways with the second round pick, pick 45 overall, which is an extremely valuable resource. And the Falcons aren't a team that is one player away, even if getting a potentially elite pass rusher is very enticing. So staying that pick 14, you're hoping one of the pass rushers falls to that spot. But with Rashawn Gary, Ed Oliver, Brian Burns, Christian Wilkins, Montez Sweat all being gone, you're just left with Clemson's Cleveland Farrell with that pick being on the board and not a single offensive lineman has been taken yet. And so you can choose either to take Farrell, the ninth best pass rusher so far in this draft, or you could take the number one offensive tackle on your board. And I feel like that's an easy choice. You go with the offensive line, solidifying that spot. The choices between either Florida's Jawan Taylor or Alabama's Jonah Williams, both of whom have been very successful in the SEC over the last several seasons. I feel like you go with Taylor the higher ceiling pick at this point, picking 14th overall. You want to swing big, take Taylor, who is uh, bringing a lot more physicality in the run game. That's something that Dan Quinn has been seeking to add this offseason in lieu of free agent signings like Jamon Brown and James Carpenter at the guard position. Taylor's size, physicality, athleticism is unmatched in this draft class. Having been a three-year starter at the right tackle position at Florida, he can give it Falcons a day-one starter at that same spot that also pushes incumbent Ty Sambrello into his more ideal role as a swing tackle. Taylor's the type of blocker that can go toe-to-toe with the likes of Cameron Jordan within the NFC South division, uh, who has dominated some of the recent matchups between the Falcons and Saints, as well as go against the likes of Nick Bosa and Khalil Mack and Demarcus Lawrence, etc., some of the other premier pass rushers that he's going to have to face in the NFC in the coming years. That gives the Falcons two booking tackles, Jawan Taylor on the right side, Jake Matthews on the left side, two premier premium positions solidified for several years. And the Falcons can come back in round two with pick 45, take the best pass rusher, presumably someone like Michigan's Chase Winovich, who you think is going to be there when the Falcons come on the board, simply due to the fact that every other team picking ahead of the Falcons in round two has already taken a pass rusher. So you can still solidify that need later in the draft. Okay, we finally have an offensive lineman off the board here. Jawan Taylor. Is Jawan Taylor, Matt, your number one offensive lineman on the board? I think it depends what you're looking for. I mean, the, the distinction between he's a left tackle, he's a pass protector with good feet, as opposed to he's a right tackle, he's a masher that you run behind on fourth and one, has really been 
you know, it's it's kind of a thing of the past, to be very honest with you. I mean, because there's so many great rushers that come from a quarterback's front side. There's great protectors at right tackle, and we all know passing is king. So you can't have liabilities anywhere, really, in protection. That being said, the prototypes, the old-school prototypes, Taylor is much more the old-school right tackle where Andre Diller thing left tackle type. So it kind of depends what flavor you're after. I will say that there's not an offensive lineman in this class to me that's a plug-and-play, Baselli, Ogden, Pace type of guy. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's some good prospects, but there's not a clear-cut number one. I do think Jonah Williams from Alabama is probably the safest. I think Garrett Bradbury, the center from NC State, is probably the – the best overall offensive line prospect, but you need, you have to have a center. You know I mean? Tackles are going to be pushed up the board over the interior guys. So it kind of depends what flavor you're after. Yeah. And it's interesting how good of a pass blocker Juwan Taylor was as a right tackle. And you wonder, Oh, maybe can he flip? Cause usually it's the opposite. You go from left tackle in college into guard or to right tackle in the NFL. I even think that Juwan Taylor could play some left tackle, but at this point you've got to protect your quarterback from both sides. So it really doesn't matter because if you can't protect the quarterback at right tackle or left tackle, uh, you got a big problem. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And the Falcons, I mean, they certainly have a need, as does yeah, four or five of the next couple teams picking. I would think that there should be a run. I also think Taylor is big and powerful enough that he could be a great guard, you know, like a Brandon Schreff who was a tackle to guard. Um, if if there's not a starting spot for him readily available at the tackle positions, Matthews is obviously going to hold down the Falcons' left tackle job for the foreseeable future. But I really think the offensive line's the only thing slowing down what could be a very good and underrated Falcons offense. I mean, I, I think they got a chance to be one of the better units in the league. And the areas that I was concerned about was the line. And if they weren't going to go offensive line, I really think that's the only offensive player, player position they could attack. Their their defensive line could use some some work too, some pass rushers there. Let's go to Ryan Tracy. It's our first time checking in with Ryan, the host of Locked On Chiefs. He is our resident offensive line expert to break down the Jawan Taylor pick to the Falcons at 14. The Atlanta Falcons at 14 take the first offensive lineman off of the draft board. There was a lot of discussion back and forth between Jonah Williams as well as Juwan Taylor, and Taylor ends up with the Falcons. What they get is a player that is excellent in getting depth on his pass sets, uses his hand technique uh, very forcefully, coming up and driving through the chest of the opponents, is able to get to his target more often than not. An elite right tackle prospect with a little bit of movement that will preclude him from playing on the left for the time being. Uh, without a doubt, uh, somebody that can move over there in a clutch as he develops into the league. In the run game, Taylor excels. The heavy hands, the violent hands that he uses are able to help him make attachments, get his initial block out of the way, drive with power, and at the point of attack, he's all that you can ask for in a right tackle prospect. As he comes off and disengages, he's able to get to the second level as well with more athleticism than you would expect for a man at six foot five and 335. Thanks, Ryan. The Draft Dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino standing by. Gentlemen, your thoughts so far on day three of this mock draft? Kyle, it looks like the Atlanta Falcons are trying to improve this offensive line, getting what I think 
is the best offensive lineman in the draft in Jawan Taylor, right tackle from Florida, a guy that is just a multifaceted blocker that checks all the box in terms of physical traits and really gives you a player that I think can be the foundation of an offensive line for years to come. But this wasn't necessarily the direction we thought they would go. We thought maybe there was a bigger need on the interior offensive line in Atlanta and as well as defensive tackle. But the defensive tackles came off the board fast and furious uh, before them. So what are your thoughts on on this being the direction of the picks for the pick for Atlanta? I mean, listen, this is a best player available situation for the Atlanta Falcons. And it happens to be at a position that he can get on the field early. Jawan Taylor, what a special physical talent he is. You watch, I, Joe, I remember you and I watching his tape sitting at a coffee shop in Mobile, Alabama, and we're going crazy over some of the plays that this guy can make because he's such a phenomenal athlete, and he's come so far with his technique and fundamentals in just one year under Dan Mullen. So an ascending player, the arrow is pointing up. I really, really like his potential to be a game-changing offensive lineman on the right side. There's a lot of good pass rushers that are coming off the left side of defenses these days. You need a quality right tackle to hold up, and Jawan Taylor – is going to help keep Matt Ryan upright, and it's going to help keep this offense more consistently in front of the chains. All right, thanks, fellas. We're back here. Pick number 14 now in the books. The first offensive lineman off the board in Jawan Taylor out of the University of Florida to the Atlanta Falcons. That brings us to the Washington Redskins at number 15 overall. Matt, you got any inkling of what might be happening here? Could we see another quarterback going off the board? That's certainly would make sense. And we've lost so we've two so far have fallen for those that weren't paying attention. Murray and Haskins were both gone, which I very much expect to be the case. I don't think Washington, if they stay put at 15, will have a shot at either one of those, but a lot of people are high on Daniel Jones. I'm not particularly, a lot of people are really high on drew Locke, And I absolutely think he could fall in this neighborhood. Washington is also very linked to Josh Rosen, which I think would make a ton of sense for them. Um, I know they have some defensive needs, pretty much a need almost at every level, particularly off the edge and in the defensive backfield. But their passing game is in trouble. You kind of mentioned the quarterback position. We talked about that. But their receiving core right now is basically Paul Richardson, Josh Doxson, and question mark, question mark, question mark. We haven't seen a receiver drafted. They would have their choice of those guys, or they could have possibly their third quarterback. So something to help the offensive passing game to me would make the most sense. All right, let's go to it. Number 15 on the clock, the Washington Redskins. Let's go to that Locked on Redskins war room for the selection. All right, guys, we're here in the Redskins war room here at Redskins Park. As you guys know, the Washington Redskins have not been good enough. They've been competitive, but a lot of injuries and some bad decisions have eaten away uh, at our depth. So we have a lot of needs to try and fill with a nine-pick draft for the Washington Redskins. So my needs were, as such, quarterback, wide receiver, edge, pass rusher, cornerback, another safety, and left guard. Yeah, nothing to fill, right? So here we go. Again, I thought I was going to get major value with Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins dropping to 15, but instead the Miami Dolphins ruined my plans at 13, and they took him. Now, I did talk to the Dolphins uh, about a possible move up, but they wanted to take Haskins because of the value that he represented, again, at 13, which clearly makes sense, and they wanted a little bit too much, and again, I can't surrender uh, too much in order to take a gamble on a young quarterback. At the number 15 overall pick, I could still go quarterback and take Drew Locke 
or I could take Daniel Jones from Duke. I could go wide receiver with A.J. Brown from Ole Miss or his teammate D.K. Metcalf, or how about Hakeem Butler? Ultimately, this decision for me came down to a battle between Greedy Williams, the cornerback out of LSU, because I don't really love Josh Norman with the Redskins moving forward. If he's on the roster this year, it will be the final year. But because I have a bigger need at edge pass rusher and because there's been a major run, I'm going to go with Cleland Farrell of Clemson, Clemson University. Why? Well, it's a huge position of need, again, obviously, with Preston Smith gone. Ryan Anderson, a second-round pick two years ago from the University of Alabama, is a good run stopper, had a pretty good year last year in a limited role, but is not a great pass rusher. Pernell McPhee is an unrestricted free agent. Young Casanova McKenzie showed some potential last year, uh, but he got hurt, and that kind of stunted his development. The other reason why I'm going feral here is because there was a big-time run on edge pass rushers with Nick Bosa, Montez Sweat, Josh Allen, Brian Burns, and Rashawn Gary off the board. So I'm getting really thin at the position, and I don't know if I can get somebody of high value at number 46 overall in the second round. So I have to maybe take a little bit of a leap of faith here. He's a top-five talent at the position, played for a football factory powerhouse, we have taken uh, Alabama's Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne the last two years. And here you have it. Cleland Farrell is the Redskins pick at number 15 overall. Okay, they did go to the defensive side of the ball. Cleland Farrell, that defensive end from Clemson. Really just a complete player there. Let's go to Peter Bukowski, our defensive line expert, to break down the Cleland Farrell selection at number 15. I love this pick for Washington. I really do. I think Cleveland Farrell has become an underrated prospect through the draft process because he didn't test like a freak athlete. But at his size, 6'4", in that 260 range, you are getting a big, powerful pass rusher with upside who got better every season at Clemson and then went really dominated in 2018. Of all the studs on that defensive front, he was the guy who consistently saw double teams, and it didn't matter. Farrell's ability to counter to the inside might just be the best in the class, and his spin move is evolving. He has such good length, and if he got a little stronger in his upper body, it would make him even more powerful than he already is. He was a three-year impact rusher and flashes heavy hands to bully back offensive tackles. He could get even better if he got a little stronger, which is a scary thought for opposing offenses. He's not quite in that class with Bosa and Allen, but he's certainly in the neighborhood. His battle with Jonah Williams was instructive as well. He handled the best offensive tackle in the draft and beat him multiple times to make plays in the backfield. He's really, really good. His lack of athleticism might be a little concerning, but he makes do with what he's got. This is a top 10 to 12 player that Washington got at 15 at a premium position. This is a home run for Washington. Thanks, Peter, Trevor, and Ben standing by in the Locked On NFL Draft War Room. What do you guys think about these first two picks so far, an offensive and defensive lineman to start day three of this mock draft? Trevor and Ben here from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, welcoming you again to the TDN News Desk here for this Locked On Mock Draft. Recapping picks number 14 and 15, in which the Atlanta Falcons ended up taking Jawan Taylor, the Washington Redskins at 15, taking Cleveland Farrell. Let's start with Taylor. Ben, you, you kind of recapped at the beginning of this podcast how much you you like the offensive tackle class. Is this then a good fit for Juwan Taylor? Do you like him going here at 14 to the Falcons? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, Atlanta is clearly in need of tackle help. They have Jake Matthews as their one starter. Who's going to be the opposite? I mean, Taylor immediately slots into the position, right? He's long, he's mean, he's physical, and he's agile. Makes a ton of sense for what they want to do. And listen, Atlanta struggled last year, obviously picking in the top half of the first round. But that roster is only two or three pieces away. To me, this is a slam dunk pick. Add to the pass rush and the defensive line on day two. We're cooking with grease in the NFC South, baby. Yeah, no, it makes sense. We, we've talked about this a lot on our podcast. You don't just need a franchise left tackle anymore. You need two. Teams are exactly. loading up on edge rushers. You're going to need two of them. What about Cleveland Farrell going to 15 Washington? I know you're kind of a uh, little bit taken back by this one when it happened. Yeah, I mean, the, the Redskins are a team where it feels like the, the people closest to the team just feel like they're not going to go wide receiver round one, despite the fact that for a lot of us but looking on the outside. But why? Yeah, but for why? Like, you know, I mean. I'll, His like, name listen. is DeKalen Metcalf. I don't know who your quarterback is, but I know he's going to need help regardless of who he is. And DeKalen is a big help. But uh, Furl, I mean, obviously, like adding to the pass rush does make sense. Right now, you're trading on sure. another year of Ryan Kerrigan, yeah. who, you know, is getting older, longer in the tooth. Lay, you listen, lost... listen, Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame, Ryan Kerrigan. Right. Well, of course, of course. I should have said it with more respect. Um, but besides him, you know, like you, you, you lose Smith in free agency. Ryan Anderson's not a natural pass rusher. It would be nice to have another outside linebacker who, you know, you can change speeds, give a guy opposite of Kerrigan. Sure. Furl fits that bill. 15, yep. good spot for him. Yep, yep. All right, that's two solid picks. I like him. Two good players off the board. Uh, interesting fits, but they're good players nonetheless. Brian and Matt, back to you guys. All right, a lot more picks to get to today. We've got to step aside briefly. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on the brand new app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. All right, Matt, we've got Jawan Taylor at 14 and now Cleland Farrell off the board at 15. Mid-first round, he might not be the most exciting prospect. He might not have the highest upside and be the most athletic of all of these defensive linemen, but he's just darn good across the board and one of those players, that, at least to me, he's, he's one of those high floor players that you really believe is not going to bust at the next level. Yeah, I agree with all that. I, I mean, I think he's worthy of the 15th pick. Um, I often explain these drafts like a leadoff hitter comes up in baseball, hits a double off the wall. You know, everyone in the world would take that. I think that's who Farrell is. You know, a safe player probably isn't a, isn't a home run, but he's, you know, a guy on base early in the, you know, early in the inning and a nice start to any draft. Again, I I think it's probably a mistake to this, you know, to, to sway away from the offensive passing game, I mean, that's what rules the league, but at least they got a pass rusher to defend opposing passing games and a safe one at that. I understand the logic. I just hope that the, the Redskins' ownership is going to come back and get somebody to catch the ball and somebody to throw the ball pretty soon. Right, and it's the name of the game. If you're not going to get that passer or the passing game or the wide receiver that can make big plays for your offense, at least affect the other team's quarterback. And we're seeing a mm -hmm. lot of that happening in this draft. And it's really the strength of this draft. And we've seen tons of edge guys and some interior players already going in the first 15 picks. And we're uh, just about halfway through round one. So that brings us to the number 16 selection overall. The Carolina Panthers sitting here. And Bill Rossetti, he's in the Panthers' war room and he's ready to make the selection the carolina panthers are on the clock what's going on guys bill Rossetti here of locked on panthers making the pick for the carolina panthers at number 16 overall in this locked on mock draft and we've got the board set up here we're look, looking at uh the, the board here the way the draft has fallen and it's not falling too bad as far as offensive tackles and safeties are still on the board but ideally i was hoping for an edge defender i was 
hoping Montez Sweat or Cleveland Farrell, a couple of those guys, or even Brian Burns, would have been available here at number 16. But, of course, Brian Burns went off the board at number 9 overall to the Bills. Sweat went 12th to the Packers. And Farrell almost made it to the Panthers. If, if he was here at this pick, it would have been a no-brainer for me. I would have easily picked Cleveland Farrell, get that edge defender squared away, and worry about offensive tackle in a later round, probably in round two. But Farrell went right off the board. The pick right before us at number 15 to the Washington Redskins. So, got to change gears a little bit. Not going to take an edge now because the top guys available on the board, guys like LJ Collier, Chase Winovich, Ben Bonogu, they're good players. I like them, but I wouldn't spend the first round pick on them. I think we can wait until round two or even round three to get one of those guys. So, we'll hold off on edge a little bit. Safety is another position. I think we can wait until... Round two, guy, maybe get a guy like Nasir Adderley or Jonathan Abram if we're gonna if we're gonna go that route uh, on day two or in round two with with the safeties. Uh, wide receiver is possible. DK Metcalf is on the board, but there's a lot of good playmakers in this class that they don't really have to jump at the at the receiver position. The Panthers already have enough playmakers, I think, as well. So this would just kind of be adding more to it. So I don't think we just we necessarily have to jump on receiver. At number 16. So for me, offensive tackle is the way to go here. With Darren Williams being a free agent at the end of this season. And this likely being his final season with the Carolina Panthers. I want to get somebody that I can start to develop at offensive tackle. He can begin as a swing tackle. And work his way into the starting lineup come 2020 with Taylor Moten. And... The guy I'm going to go with, I like his versatility because there was talk about whether he's going to play guard at the next level, and we can start him at guard. We can have him compete with Greg Van Roten at left guard, and I think he would do really well there, and then eventually work his way to tackle, replace Daryl Williams. Uh, for me, I think he's the, the, the best tackle available left, so for me, this is an easy pick. With the 16th overall pick, the Carolina Panthers select Jonah Williams, offensive tackle, Alabama. Okay, here we go, Matt. This is the run on offensive linemen. It looks like Jonah Williams, who's, uh, again, sort of like Farrell, maybe not the most exciting prospect. And some people have talked about maybe short arms. Do you move him inside and have just a fantastic guard? Or do you keep him out at left tackle there? I, I-, I love the pick of Jonah Williams. I think... Earlier in this process, we're talking about a top five, top 10 pick, and I think getting him at pick 16, it's another slam dunk selection. It's another double off the wall, and he's the type of player that I would have no problem playing anywhere in the offensive line, but I'm putting him out there at left tackle and and making him prove he's not that at the NFL level. Yeah, and I like this pick a lot. Again, it's a double off the wall. That's great. I bet they would have had some interest in Farrell. I bet they would have had some interest in Sweat, two of the edge guys that have gone recently. You know, the Panthers' defense is a lot of four-man rushes. They don't want to blitz a lot, so they've always put a premium on pass rushers uh, in the front four. But I didn't see a guy that's jumping off the screen to take there. So the other obvious need for them is just reinforcing that offensive line. We've seen Cam Newton just take an utter beating over the last couple of years. They have to change how he plays football, and by doing so, they have to protect them. If Williams doesn't succeed at tackle, like you said, I think he'll be a great guard. It's funny, coincidentally, the, the game he struggled most was with the player he was picked before. <laughs> yeah. 
for him in the national championship game is against Farrell. So his most recent tape isn't wonderful, but he's got a lot of years at the highest level at Bama of exceptional football. Let's jump back to Ryan Tracy. He's our offensive line expert breaking down Jonah Williams to the Panthers. At 16, the Carolina Panthers pick the next anchor along their offensive line in drafting Jonah Williams out of Alabama, a player that while lined up at right tackle is able to show not only his knowledge, but his technical prowess. The man is a technician, both with his hands and particularly with his feet referred to as the classic dancing bear, a man that is more nimble than he should be for his size. He is someone that can play out there at the right tackle position to begin with, but may be best suited in the long run, moving inside to guard where he can really take advantage of his strengths. Those being his technical prowess, his power, and his knowledge base. A player that does his study work well ahead of time and is completely prepared for every opponent he faces. The one thing he lacks is a bit of arm length, and that may limit what he can do outside at tackle in the NFL, allowing some pass rushers to get into his chest. The Panthers take a great one. All right, we are back here with the second selection for the New York Giants in this Locked On Podcast Network 2019 NFL Mock Draft. Pick number 17, New York Giants are on the clock, and that means Patricia Trina is back. She's in the Giants' war room ready to make the selection. At number 17 overall, I'm sticking with defense, and my pick is going to be Clemson Jr. defensive interior lineman Dexter Lawrence, six foot four, 342 pounds. Last year, the Giants struggled against the run, and I believe Lawrence can help be a solution to that problem. New York allowed an average of 118.6 rushing yards per game, which put them 13 most in the NFL. Not surprisingly, folks, with the Giants unable to force third and long with any kind of consistency, opponents were able to average 5.4 third down conversions per game against the Giants defense, which put them 28th in the NFL last year. In three seasons for the Tigers, Lawrence recorded 131 total tackles, 18 for a loss, and 10 sacks. The latter two stats don't necessarily sound very impressive, but if you consider that Lawrence's opportunities were somewhat limited in favor of different personnel and pass rushing situations, the potential is certainly there. This is a strong kid, folks. He put up 36 bench press reps at at the Combine, and he could potentially be a force in the middle, especially against the run. He's also versatile enough to fit either a 3-4 or 4-3 defensive front, having the athleticism and power you look for in the defensive lineman. Ooh, okay, Matt, we've got double defensive linemen here for the New York Giants. And if you listen to Monday's show, you know that Patricia was, she was pounding the table for defensive linemen and defensive talent for the New York Giants. I thought for sure no quarterback at six meant for sure quarterback at 17. Not the case here. How do you feel about Dexter Lawrence being the selection for the Giants? A big nose tackle, the biggest defensive lineman that will probably go in this first round to the Giants at 17? I have mixed feelings. I mean, because they took Rashawn Gary with their first pick in this draft. And in some ways, those guys are similar. In some ways, those guys are different. And they need all the defensive line help they can get. So, and when in doubt, I'm always a believer. When in doubt, bring in defensive line help. They need all the defensive help they can get, kind of as Patricia alluded to. Um, Lawrence is, like, I mean, Gary can be 
a very up and down player. He's going to be mostly an edge and then he can bump inside on passing downs where Lawrence is going to live inside. No doubt about it. You would hope that he develops into an every down player because he has the ability to do it. And maybe him and Gary would line up next to each other for years to come on passing downs, which is the most important time. But we don't know that yet about him. I mean, he has the ability to affect the passing game. It's just going to be a work in progress, but the giants have time to, learn and teach these guys, coach them up. They're not winning the Super Bowl this year. And if this thing would go on and on and all of a sudden the, the trade comes across that they just traded for Rosen or they get back in the first round to get a quarterback, that's great. But if the Giants don't leave this draft class with a young quarterback, the, the heir apparent, I'm going to be critical. Back to Peter Bokowski, our front seven expert here. Peter, what are your feelings here on Dexter Lawrence? the nose tackle, the big-bodied interior defensive lineman to the Giants at 17. Listen, I hate to be a little bit of a Debbie Downer on these Clemson defenders because I loved watching that defense play. I loved watching these players play. It's just I don't see the value of a defensive lineman who isn't an impact pass rusher really in the first round at all. The thing about Dexter Lawrence is he's a fun player to watch because his movement skills at his size really are ridiculous. In the 340s, he's penetrating as a run defender and and can give you a little bit of pass rush in spots. His power, his power is unbelievable to bully offensive linemen, even if his polished defeating blocks is not quite as impressive. He's still raw and can probably get better, especially if he works on his body just a little bit. He doesn't have to be 340, given his skill set and athleticism. He can play at 325 or even 330, being quicker and potentially more disruptive. His strength that he added as a senior is heartening for 3-4 teams, and that's where he's going for the Giants. He can play nose tackle. I think in sub-package, if you let him play three technique, it's someone who can eat up guards and cause problems along the interior. That's where he's best used. I like him. There's a little bit of B.J. Raji in his game. He's just not quite good enough as a pass rusher to be a top pick to me. I think he's more in that top of round two consideration for me. And I have to be honest, I, I just I'm, I'm struggling to find the value in both of these Giants picks in the first round. Okay, the Giants doubling down on defensive linemen here on the Locked On Podcast Network 2019 NFL mock draft. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you here. And the Minnesota Vikings are now the team on the clock. 18 overall. Matt, do you have any feelings on how this one could go? The position group that hasn't been touched is wide receivers. I would highly doubt the Minnesota Vikings would be going that route. We've got the two best offensive tackles off the board so far, but there's still some good pass protectors out there. How do you feel about the Vikings here at 18? Yeah, there's two spots in this first round. 18, the Vikings, 23, Houston, that I think are going to be very little drama. I I think it's going to be whoever the best offensive lineman is available at those two spots. Those guys just run the card up to the podium. That They're not teams with a lot of needs, particularly the Vikings, and they absolutely have to get their offensive line right. You know, I mentioned Bradbury, the center. Maybe he could play some guard as well. Dillard is still out there, the left tackle, which complement O'Neal, who they drafted to play right tackle last year, and he's really the only lineman that I have a lot of high hopes for. So Dillard seems like the obvious pick, and I'm not sure he'd even last to 18, but they're 
there certainly is going to be a run of linemen in this neighborhood. We're seeing it. And again, I think the Vikes and the Texans, you almost have to pencil in for who's the best offensive lineman on the board. And the pick is in number 18, the Minnesota Vikings. Let's go to Lucas Braun in the Locked On Vikings war room. Okay, Luke Braun here, host of Locked On Vikings at Luke Braun NFL on Twitter. And this board looks really nice uh, if I'm the Vikings GM. I'm really happy with if this is the way that the board falls on April 26th, I'll be really, really happy with it. Mostly because the Vikings basically have their pick at offensive line. I mean, the guy that I have been harping on the whole time is Jonah Williams. He's gone. He went a couple picks ago. But there's a whole bunch of other people. Garrett Bradbury is on the board. Uh, Noah Fant's on the board. Cody Ford is on the board. And Andre Dillard's on the board. And I would be thrilled with any of those four guys. So I think if I were to try to maximize value, I would call up the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs, and I would say, all right, what are you guys willing to trade up? I, I know that both of you guys need a corner. I know that Byron Jones is still on the board as is Greedy Williams and even like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I know maybe the Seahawks would be interested in moving up a little bit. I'm not looking to trade like all the way out of the first round. I would love to trade back. But in lieu of that option, which I didn't end up pursuing here, uh, I'm, I'm just looking at the guys available. And I think you have to pick first between, all right, are we taking one of these linemen or are we taking Noah Fant? I think Noah Fant's probably the best raw overall player there. But I have recently done a little bit of an experiment where I said, okay, what happens if you pass on the line and you do take a guy like Noah Fant or like whoever's available, you know, Byron Jones or whatever. And it usually for the rest of the draft turns out pretty poorly. It's it's proving to be a lot harder to get viable offensive line in the second round than it is to get, say, a viable tight end in the second round or a viable defensive lineman in the second round. So with that, I am going to narrow that down to at least the offensive linemen. And the three best offensive linemen on the board, in my opinion, are Andre Dillard, Cody Ford, and Garrett Bradbury. And I think I'm going to go with Andre Dillard here, and and this is why. I am going to take the guy that fills the need that I think is more important, and that's at tackle. And and the Vikings don't have a current need at tackle. They'll have Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill, and they can go into 2019 and feel okay about that. But considering the salary cap restrictions that the Vikings are going to deal with in 2020, like this offseason was hard and next offseason is not going to get any easier. So they do need to kind of figure out ways to, to save money by navigating the draft and stuff smartly. And Riley Reef's going to be a really easy cap casualty next year. And if you can prepare for that by having Andre Dillard on the roster, that works out great. Now, that's not as good for the Vikings gaping hole at left guard because you'll have to move Riley Reef over to guard where he hasn't played but like one game back in 2010 in college. So that'll be a, a bit of a rough transition and I don't feel great about it. And a guy like Cody Ford would probably come in and fill that need more cleanly, but who knows if he would kick out to back out to tackle as easily when you try to save money by cutting Riley Reef. So I'm drafting a little bit more for the future, and and I think they have a future need at tackle, which is just as important as the immediate need at guard. And so I'm going to take Andre Dillard and hopefully limp through this season at guard with Riley Reef. Hopefully that turns out okay and be set at tackle in the future. And you nailed it, Matt. Andre Dillard, offensive tackle, off the board now at pick number 18, premier pass protectors, and that's his game, and supremely athletic player, really checked off every box so far this postseason. You knew he was going to go high, and there there was no chance he was going to fall past the Vikings. No, right. I think that's their 
their target player. Like if you ask Viking fans in a perfect world, who do you get? I think it's Andre Dillard. And it worked out really well for him. This, and they could again, who knows? The draft dude standing by Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino with reactions to picks 15 to 18 so far in this mock draft. Okay, Joe. So we have another slew of picks that have come through and it's all about the trenches here. We've got two offensive tackles, a pass rusher, and a nose tackle with Cleveland Farrell to the Redskins, Jonah Williams to the Carolina Panthers, Dexter Lawrence to the Giants, and Andre Dillard to the Minnesota Vikings. We have to, at this point, talk about the fact that the New York Giants went with Rayshon Gary at six and then Dexter Lawrence at 17. How stunning is this that they've completely neglected the quarterback position with Drew Locke on the board and have chose to instead go with two defensive linemen? Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if Jonah Williams would have fell one more spot if he would have been the pick. And this is coming after a year where the Giants invested pretty heavily in the defensive tackle position in the draft with B.J. Hill. And, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it feels very Dave Gettleman like it, to be honest with you. You know, one of my big takeaways from this trio of picks, though, is Jonah Williams to the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, I feel like the, the Panthers did a good job of, of making sure they could patch piece together a decent offensive line with limited resources and free agency bringing back Darrell Williams signing Matt Paradis but I felt like they had a big hole at left guard and now this is an opportunity for Jonah Williams to potentially fill that spot or maybe play one of the tackle spots and kick it kick one of the tackles inside but it really gets this front five in front of Cam Newton solidified which I think is so important because the Panthers are going to go as far as Cam Newton takes him Cam Newton's going to go as far as his protection holds up and I like the move there to fortify the 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 offensive line yeah the health of cam is really going to be telling but i like the personnel that they've quietly built there in carolina around him i do want to tip the cap to the redskins real quick cleveland farrell uh, he fits the mold of the kind of outside linebacker that they like or a rush player that they like off the edge they've always liked long-armed heavy-handed guys it's not um, a pairing that we've heard a whole lot throughout the pre-draft process but i think it makes sense based on the prototype that the redskins have looked for in years past Titans and Steelers still to come here on the Locked On Podcast Network Mock Draft. And remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked On NFL on the new Himalaya Podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On NFL. All right, we're moving along here on the Locked On Podcast Network 2019 NFL Mock Draft. The Tennessee Titans at number 19 right now are on the clock. Terry Lambert in the Tennessee Titans draft room ready to make this selection. What's up, guys? This is Terry inside the Titans war room uh, looking at this draft board and how it's fallen. Uh, edge rusher is, is not really an option for Tennessee anymore with the 19th pick. Uh, you've seen a little bit of a run here with Burns, Sweat, and, and Farrell off the board uh, in, in the previous selections here. Uh, Christian Wilkins, you know, a, a, a favorite of ours, uh, looking to add something to that defensive line to add to Jarrell Casey. He goes at 11. Uh, you know, I, I think this is sort of an all-in season for Marcus Mariota, a, a spot where the Titans can really figure out uh, what they have in him, assuming he can stay healthy. So with one last chance for Marcus Mariota, you might think the Titans would want to go with a receiver here. They certainly still have a need there. But instead of going there, I'm going to opt to go to the offensive line. 
I'm going to take Garrett Bradbury, uh, a center or a guard. Uh, Titans would likely play him at guard to start. A guy that can really move, a, a guy that can come in and, and adapt the Titans' zone blocking scheme. I think it's a really perfect connection there with the 19th selection. You saw what Derrick Henry did at the end of last last year. Uh, Arthur Smith, the, the new offensive coordinator, uh, he's got no reason to go away from Derrick Henry after what he did to close out 2018. So I'm going to bolster this offensive line. Uh, Josh Klein left it in, in free agency. Quentin Spain left in free agency. The Titans already signed Roger Saffold. They now get Josh Klein. They've gotten bigger, stronger, and more athletic. Uh, this zone blocking sp- scheme is going to be perfect for Derrick Henry. Uh, if the Titans were to do this, I think you would see him put up some big-time numbers. I think it would only help Marcus Mariota, who has played behind an inconsistent offensive line for the entirety of his career. You're going to see him build off of that play-action game with Delaney Walker and Corey Davis. It is. It, it might not be the most exciting pick in the world, uh, but man, after watching what Marcus can do uh, with a solid running game early in his career, Titans have to get back to that. So we're going to maximize that here with Garrett Bradbury. Garrett Bradbury, pretty much everybody's number one center in this draft. He can really move. I was impressed when I put on his tape and watched him jump out of his stance and his lateral agility and getting out and making blocks in the second level. Maybe he can prove on his anchor a little bit, but Garrett Bradbury and th- this run on offensive lineman is in is in full force here in this mock. It is, and most you know what we've seen from the Titans' offensive line lately is big mashers come off the ball just hammer you and Bradbury's a much better athlete movement player their interior their offensive line even after signing Saffold absolutely could use a player um I don't have a problem with this pick again that's something they don't have I think he's going to be a long-term starter plug and play really good value here at 19 but if I'm doing everything I can to make Mariota's life easier I think I would look for speed on the perimeter the Titans did go wide receiver just a couple years ago with Corey Davis at number five overall, and he's still an ascending player, and uh, his story's not written there. They could definitely use some more talent across from him and some speed there on that offense. But I think you can never go wrong with a rock-solid offensive lineman that projects to be a guy who's going who's gonna to be around and protecting whoever your quarterback is for the next decade. Ryan Tracy getting a lot of work today breaking down our offensive linemen. What are your thoughts on Garrett Bradbury? The Tennessee Titans are able to bolster the interior of their offensive line by drafting Garrett Bradbury from NC State, a player that's at home in both the man-gap running scheme as well as the zone. In the man, he is able to sustain the point of attack with ferocity because of the leverage that he plays with. Just a little bit under six foot three, he is able to use that to his advantage. A three-year starter, he knows what he's doing and is able to put that onto film. He consistently is able to accomplish his assignments as well as doubling, getting to the second level in order to make an additional block. He is most at home in the zone running scheme, and that's because he has elite level athleticism for the offensive line group. He tested out as the number one prospect in this year's draft class for the offensive lineman in the athletic matrix from Rogue Analytics. And that allows him to play in space as well as he does at the line of scrimmage. That athleticism shows in the run game where he's able to use superior footwork in order to maintain his leverage and balance blocking along the offensive line. 
Thanks, Ryan. It's been a bit since we checked in with Trevor and Ben at the Locked On NFL Draft Desk. How do we feel about this run on offensive linemen in the middle of the first round? Trevor and Ben here from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast at the virtual TDN Draft Desk Studios, which is really just our microphones next to each other, uh, recapping these picks 16 through 19 for this day three of the Locked On Mock Draft. Ben, Carolina Panthers at 16 went Jonah Williams. Ooh-hoo-hoo. New York Giants went Dexter Lawrence at 17. Yeah. Minnesota Vikings go Andre Dillard. And then the Tennessee Titans pick Garrett Bradbury. Uh, let's just start with the Carolina Panthers, and then we'll kind of work our way down as we see fit. Yeah, so there's three of the four offensive linemen. In yeah, these picks, that was, obviously four that of the was six. pretty good there. Yeah, with Jonah Williams, uh, you know, coming off, or excuse me, with Juwan Taylor coming off earlier. But this is Williams, and it's interesting because we don't know exactly how the Panthers feel about Daryl Williams. Their incumbent right tackle is a great player. Been dealing with injuries on a one-year proven deal. in and out, right? Right. That's I mean, he thing. can. Do you want him replacing Greg Van Roten, who I thought played pretty well for them as a starting guy last year? So it's tricky. This, like, you know, The Panthers drafting offensive tackle is conditional on how they feel about Williams. If they want to make sure they have a guy who can step into his shoes, listen— you could do a lot worse than Jonah Williams. Fantastic yeah, I, player. I would, I would quote my friend Ben Solak when I say just pick good players for Jonah Williams. Pick okay? good players. So let De- DeMarcus, or Dexter Lawrence, sorry, kind of a surprise to me at 17. Uh, so they, they double up in this mock draft with Sean Gary going at 6 and then Dexter Lawrence here at 17. So so from what I understand here, the Giants basically traded away DeMon Harrison to bring in DeMon Harrison. DeMon Harrison, which, yeah. Amazing. Listen, I mean like – and I think that Lawrence offers probably a bit more as a pass rusher than Harrison does. I don't think he's that staunch of a run defender either. You know, it's a joke or whatever. But listen, we Dave Gelman's been very clear that he wants to address the defense. And the sure. two mock picks we've had here have been Rashawn Gary and Dexter Lawrence. I mean, they're beefing up in the trenches. And, and it's interesting because I think that they like what they have right now in, in the trenches. You do have a player in B.J. Hill, a third-round pick last year who was strong for them, Dalvin Tomlinson from a couple years ago. But, I mean, listen— you, the trenches are where you win the football games. And it's very clear that that's the focus for this team. I wish they had gotten more pass rush over All right. these two picks. All right, really quick. Offensive line, Minnesota Vikings, Tennessee Titans. Vikings went Dillard. Garrett Bradbury went to the Titans. I would have picked Garrett, I would have picked Eric McCoy over Garrett Bradbury for the Titans, but that's just me. I, but I like the Dillard pick, right? I mean, like, are they, these are pretty solid. They, they, they address the needs, right? They did. And I think that Bradbury makes sense in Tennessee because of the amount of zone that they run, so I don't hate it. But, yeah, I have McCoy ranked higher. All right, one more pick left in day three of this Locked On Mock Draft. You guys stick around. Thanks, fellas. Now that brings us to the final selection of day three here on the Locked On Podcast Network 2019 NFL Mock Draft. Pick 20, the Pittsburgh Steelers are on the clock. Tony Serino standing by in the Pittsburgh Steelers draft room. But first, Matt, I know this is a team that is close to your heart. So what are we looking at here at number 20 with how the board has fallen so far for the Steelers? Yeah, I know Steeler fans are really keeping their fingers crossed that Devin Bush will be there at 20. And I think there's a chance. And if he is, I think they'll run to the podium and that'll be the pick. Um, if not, I certainly think corner is a, is, an, is a possibility. And there's guys out there of, you know, that are uh, attractive, obviously. Uh, the receiver is a possibility, and all those are out there. Hakeem Butler is my personal favorite for them. Um, so you know, Bush wasn't there, but again, I don't think it's a slam dunk that he'll be there by any stretch of the imagination. All right, let's find out what that pick is here. We've got Tony Serino in the Locked On Steelers War Room. Boy, what a choice the Steelers have here at pick 20. They didn't move up to get Devin White or Devin Bush. Those are the two players that they covet the most going into this draft. And I was prepared to move up if either of those players 
had fallen into the teens. But both players go in the top 10. So the Steelers stay put, see what comes to them at pick 20, and it really couldn't have worked out any better. No wide receivers off the board just yet, so the Steelers will have their pick of this draft at wide receiver. DK Metcalf from Ole Miss, a 6'3", 230-pound receiver who runs a 4'3". I mean, an incredible athlete. He's Brock Lesnar out there at wide receiver. You've got Hakeem Butler from Iowa State, 6'5", runs a 4'4", himself. Very Plaxico Burris-esque in his game. And look, Ben Roethlisberger started his career with Plaxico Burris at wide receiver. Ben really likes those bigger, taller receivers. So the Steelers can have their choice here of either DK Metcalf or Hakeem Butler. But then you go to the defensive side of the ball, where the Steelers had so much, so many problems in 2018, especially in their secondary. This defense had just eight interceptions in all of 2018. So this team has to improve this defense, and especially that secondary. And you've got no cornerbacks off the board just yet. So they'll have their pick of either Greedy Williams or Byron Murphy here at pick 20. Look, the Steelers get great value out of wide receiver late late in the draft, right? Last year, two years ago, Juju Smith-Schuster was their second round pick. Martavis Bryant was a fourth round pick. Antonio Brown was a sixth round pick. The Steelers find value in wide receiver later in the draft. And as much as it hurts to pass on a guy like DK Metcalf, because those guys don't come along every year, as much as it hurts to pass on Hakeem Butler, who is my personal wide receiver one, I like him a lot of a lot. But you can find players in the second and third round of this year's draft. And the Steelers are going to be hoping that a guy like Nikhil Harry or A.J. Brown can fall to them in the second round. And that can fill their need at outside receiver. But the Steelers still need that help at at, at corner. And there aren't going to be players like Greedy Williams or Byron Murphy available to them in the second or third round of this year's draft. Greedy Williams is a 6'1 corner who ran a 4-3-40. He's got the size and he's got the speed that the Steelers look for at this position. Byron Murphy's a great corner. You probably want to play him, though, in a more zone-heavy scheme. And the Steelers, in 2018, ran the fourth most man-to-man of any defense in the NFL. Surprising, given how much zone this defense used to play. But now this is a more man-heavy scheme. And in that way, Greedy Williams really checks all the boxes the Steelers are looking for size at 6-1 speed with that 4-3-40 and he can play press man-to-man which is what the Steelers are looking for so at pick 20 the Pittsburgh Steelers select Greedy Williams from LSU well Matt you mentioned cornerback there and they went with the man corner over the zone corner in LSU's Greedy Williams how do you feel about that from a scheme perspective and the player that Greedy Williams is mixed feelings I would say I mean he's very talented. He's tall. He's long. He's fast. He is a press man corner. And I would have went with Byron Murphy. I think Murphy's the better fit. I think he's safer. And here's a couple reasons why. Is I think he's tougher. Uh, Greedy is not much of a tackler. Doesn't like to stick his face in there. And that doesn't really fit the Steelers' persona all that much. But Tony... I mean, it's noteworthy that Tony did take Greedy because the Steelers are historically a zone team, and for years we've been hearing they're going to play more man, they're going to play more man, and they really haven't. But they signed Nelson, the corner from the Chiefs, who played a lot of man last year. So if they truly are dedicated to playing more man coverage, I could see, I could make the argument why they would prefer Greedy over Murphy. But personally, I would have went with Murphy in this situation. 
Yeah, it's interesting. He, he's blazing fast, 6'2", but only 184 pounds on that 6'2 frame. Doesn't really stick his nose in there. Uh, traditionally, you feel like, ah, maybe that's not the most steelery type of player. But uh, let's get some more information on Greedy Williams from our Locked On LSU host, Matt Muscana. Cornerback Greedy Williams' ascension was a rapid one. As a freshman in 2016, he redshirted, didn't see the field, wasn't expected to play a major role in 2017, but injuries and suspensions forced him onto the field to start the season opener against BYU. He had an interception in that game and never looked back, starting every game of his redshirt freshman season and then was on everybody's radar as a potential first-round draft pick following his redshirt sophomore year in 2018. Some have questioned Williams' off-the-field behavior, but he never sniffed trouble in three years in Baton Rouge, and he is the prototypical NFL corner of today's game. Six foot three, 184 pounds, long, and can run. He is a lockdown number one outside corner who should hear his name called on day one of the NFL draft. Lots of fun here going through all these picks, 14 through 20 on day three. Matt, do you have a big takeaway, the offensive line run, the fact that all the wide receivers are still on the board after day three? Yeah, I would think going forward, we're going to see the smaller guys coming off the board. You know, we saw the big big people fall lately, a big run on offensive linemen. I mentioned earlier that the Texans at 23 probably will do the same. But these upcoming picks, I think this starts to be the sweet spot for – your receiver of choice, your secondary player of choice. I mentioned Murphy earlier. There's a slew of safeties that are all worthy for this this neighborhood. So I, I, I'm pretty excited about going forward. There's a lot of really good players. And I would say Noah Fant is probably my favorite guy still on the board. Akeem Butler, um, Byron Murphy, D.K. Metcalf still being there is noteworthy. So there's a lot of value still on the board. And Matt, do you feel like the fact that all the wide receivers are still available is a testament to how deep this class is? And some of those teams picking in the middle of the first round are thinking, man, there's such a good wide receiver that's going to be on the board for us in round two. We don't really need to go there. We can maybe draft a position that's a little bit thinner here in the first round. Yeah, I think that's well said by you. And I also think that there isn't a clear-cut number one either. You know, I mean, there's not one guy... that stands well above the rest. You know, Butler's my favorite, but I could certainly see why some people would think Metcalf is their favorite. Um, So, yeah, I I hear what you're saying. I mean, there's going to be a lot of good receivers coming off the board the second day, the fourth round. Um, But I do think there could be a run at some point, too. Once a couple of the big names start falling, then the teams that need them, and a lot of teams need receivers around the league, and you're seeing them get paid a lot of money in free agency, then I think they'll probably act a little more hastily. Well, we'll see if any of those receivers go off the board on day four. Super excited to get to picks 21 through 26. We've got the Seahawks, Ravens, Texans, Raiders, Eagles, and Colts on deck. And I do know there is a ton of trade talk going on behind the scenes. So if you think your team might not be drafting on day four or day five, you might need to tune in to find out. Matt, thank you so much. It's a lot of fun. Talk to you again tomorrow. Absolutely. This is rolling well. It's good stuff.